My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Sports Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at ProBible.com. And today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Cade Onder, who you can find writing about video games at comicbook.com. Cade, I think today, the year is early, but this is probably our biggest show of the year so far. Absolutely. Uh, until probably Ant-Man, maybe. Depending yeah. on what that's Ant-Man like. or I, I would prefer Kangman since he, Kang. seems be, he seems to be the main character in that film. But for today sure. is not a day for Marvel. No, not a day no. for Marvel. Today is a day for people like me who consider themselves DC heads. Kay, do you, in your heart of hearts, lean one way or the other? Well, this is my guy right here. Spider-Man. Yeah. So I've always leaned... Only for that reason, really. It's just Spider-Man's my number one fictional character ever. So, like, always that way. But I would say in terms of, like, the wider spectrum, I think I like Batman and uh, Superman and Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, all those guys a lot more. I grew up on the Justice League cartoon, which was huge for me. Oh, yeah. Um, So Which I think is leaving HBO Max today. Just fucking ridiculous. What are they doing over there? So You're just taking off views. some great cartoons, like amazing. I know, stuff. and it's like it's like that's the backlog stuff that keeps your service absolutely like deep, you know what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Like it's the ridiculous. best teams have a deep bench, but yeah. All right, still. Uh <laughs> we're not here to dunk on deep. This <laughs> is a day of celebration, like, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that it is a very exciting day. James Gunn, as promised, came out with his what he I what now I'm kind of confused. He said that they've mapped out an eight to ten year plan. Yeah. I think what they've explained today is going to unfold over a much shorter time period than that. Yeah. So they have announced a total of five films and five TV shows. So we'll be breaking all that down. And then we will also be talking about The Last of Us episode three, which is being hailed as one of the best TV episodes of all time so pack show let's start with james gunn let's start with some main bullet points and then we'll really dive in as i said he's got an eight to ten year plan what this takes us through is since he's saying superman is kind of the start of it in 2025 i think we're probably this is like half of it right so this probably takes us through like 2028 and they've got a bunch of shit still in the works i've actually heard there is another film that they have already developed that they didn't announce today quite mm-hmm. yet so keep that in the back burner so as i said at the top five films and five shows superman legacy which gun has written and dc studios co-ceo has said that he hopes james gunn directs there is batman the brave and the bold which is going to be sort of the dcu's introduction into the bat family it's going to be batman bruce wayne and robin damian wayne focused there is Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, there is Swamp Thing, and there is The Authority, which is kind of like the James Gunnian one of mm. the whole, the one that he picked from absolute obscurity and yeah. will probably, you know, have a wild cast and all that stuff. And then the TV shows is an animated series, Creature Commandos, which is already written and done. They already shared artwork from it. Gunn wrote that himself. There is Paradise Lost, which is a Wonder Woman prequel that is set on the mascara uh which peter saffron compared to game of thrones there is lanterns which is the green lantern show which they officially compared to true detective awesome i i mean to say that's a stretch is putting it lightly maybe but it's still cool (laughs) it's a good it's a great sales pitch of course but i mean come on 
Uh, there's Waller, <laughs> which is still going to see, have previous DCEU continuity, which really just speaks to how much the Flash is going to fucking flip things on its head. The Flash, by the way, since we're talking about what's to come and not sort of stuff that's been out there, James Gunn said, quote, probably one of the best superhero films ever made, which Jeez. largely tracks with like the rumors I've heard throughout yeah. the months and years. So, I mean, that's fucking hysterical. It's it's crazy. And I believe he also said, even in his little video that he released, this restarts the DC universe. He said right. something he along did. those lines. Yeah. And that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, this is the, you made two Guardians of the Galaxy movies and the third one looks amazing. And you've been part of a really great franchise. And you're like, this is one of the best. Like that's a, doesn't he doesn't seem like the kind of guy to be, be PR? Just be saying that. Yeah, yeah. Just be so like PR gun to head yeah. off screen, like say it's one of the best superhero movies like, you've seen. Otherwise, you'd say that about like Shazam, right? Like right. exactly, just, like, Shazam's exactly. happening exactly. Which, <laughs> what another <laughs> Zachary Levi? You know what? Fuck it, we're down this road. Zachary <laughs> Levi, do you think he decided to tweet that out within hours or days of finding out that the DCU doesn't give a fuck about his character? Because I, just like so close, <laughs> down, so like a week or two ago, he was like, everybody trusts James Gunn. He knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. And now he's like, here's my fucking vaccine take. Yeah, it's just like in the super left in field. The, in the like, I want to say post fat, like post pandemic world like we're moving on like yeah there, it's not like as if that's what's hot in the street these days you know? what's, hot, <laughs> what's hot in the street these days is like inflation yeah you know yeah. what i mean like joe biden's he, america yeah but here's my here's my vaccine take so i'm wondering how soon he got the word like hey buddy it's you know you better hope that peacock peacock <laughs> <laughs> can we call it slip oh my peacock God. green lights a chuck yeah reboot film yeah because you're fucking out of here yeah and and he's uh, gun said something like look i'm not gonna agree with everyone and everyone says you know it's like he was like it doesn't mean that we're kicking him out but like it definitely the way he talked about shazam even in the video is like uh shazam's always just kind of been like on it in its Fucking own off on his own and, yeah yeah <laughs> and he's like and it's probably gonna stay that way <laughs> it's like what the fuck wow yeah wild i mean look i have from day one have been saying and this is the last sort of dc eu dunk who are these movies for these ones specifically no shazam okay. <laughs> who the fuck are these movies for <laughs> i don't understand so we went on this tangent because he says that the Flash is going to reboot the DCU, but the Waller series is going to feature Viola Davis and Peacemaker. Aquaman 2 is yeah. going to be a DCU film. So they've already sort of rejiggered it a bit, which is fascinating. And then the final TV series is Booster Gold. So that's kind of the 10,000 foot view of what's to come. I have so many thoughts going like this is an ADD brain overload <laughs> right now. I'm just trying to parse through it. I'm thinking that Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is oh. definitely involved in some way, shape or form. Like if they're keeping around Ezra Miller, not quite yet, but if they're keeping around Aquaman, which I guess was the DCU's most successful film, yeah. I would imagine they're going to keep the most acclaimed interpretation that the franchise has done. Yeah. Uh, and that, maybe that's the unannounced project. Like something that would make sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting because 
she's the like most consistent thing of like the DC universe outside of Suicide Squad, the first one being kind of rough. She everyone's like, we and like her, and she's like the actress. Yeah, like it'd she be is weird. The to... actress. Yeah, I I know I made that tweet about Mia Goth, but like I don't want her to be the DC universe Harley Quinn. I like her in the Pattinson universe, which I still don't necessarily see happening. Or and I responded to that. Not trying to be a dick on <laughs> no, I know purpose, but what I meant by that was like that to me would be a DCEU move. Yeah. Like, hey, let's introduce a third one. Like they already have two of them now, right? Yeah, They've got to yeah. kind of just stick to their gun pun intended <laughs> guns here. Yeah. So uh, given that there's no word that's come through the trays that she's fired, I'm leaning yes. towards that she's involved some way, shape, or form. And Margot Robbie's like really fucking young still. She's 32. 32 so yeah, she's got crazy. like no, she's time. She's, She's not even in. I think Emma Stone is older than she is. You know oh, what I mean? Like, she, yeah, yeah, it's crazy shit like that. Like, she is young. Yeah, Emma Stone's thirty four. So, yeah, yeah. doesn't that break your brain a little? It bit? does. It does. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why, but it does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Like, if they decide we don't have any Harley Quinn projects for the next this phase, like, let's say this phase is three years, twenty twenty five to twenty twenty eight, right? That's you still get. Margot Robbie in her like mid thirties, so like it's not like we're losing anything here. Uh, so it's it's a lot less uh time pressurey than Ben Affleck, who in Mm. ten years will be closer to sixty. So let's start with some general thoughts. I guess that's one of mine. Another one of mine is, and I'm gonna stick to what I know. Stick to my guns. I guess that's the new fucking phrase of the DCU, (laughs) right? Stick to your gun. As a Batman fan. As the podcast resident Batman fan, I think that this is the best outcome that you could have possibly hoped for. Because what they're essentially doing is they're redoing The Dark Knight in a more comic booky sense with the Matt Reeves films and letting sure. Batman fuck off and do Batman things. Deal with gross murderers and conspiracies and all that stuff. But then they're also going to introduce a new version in the DCU, which will serve as their sort of fighting dark side and dealing yeah. with Superman and interacting with other characters and perhaps and having a son and shit like that. So from the perspective of a Batman fan, I cannot imagine a better announcement in the sense of they are understanding that he is their talisman character and that they could allow Matt Reeves to go off and do whatever the hell he wants to do and then still integrate a new version of the character into their franchise as a whole. And I think that that also speaks to a very like comic, a truly comic book point of view to how they are going to approach the DCU. If you look at these titles, they don't read like film titles. They read like comic book titles. Yeah. And I think that that is sort of going to be their ethos of as cliched as might sound. The MCU was about how do we make comics a functioning live action film franchise where I think the DCU is going to be, how do we make comic books real? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love all of the Batman movies we've gotten over the last 20 years. Right. But they have been like, what if Batman was real? And in the Reeves stuff, it's like a more stylized version of that. And he's doing organized crime shit, which is cool. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see maybe something like Mr. Freeze or whatever, but um, he's not out there fighting fucking Clayface, right? And I want to see the wackier, not wacky, but like sci-fi-y Batman. And we have not gotten that. The closest we've gotten is Batman and Robin with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And like, it's not 
what I want. <laughs> like the, I want, I want, I want Snyder, Cade. Well, yes, okay, like that, but like without Superman, right? With, like Batman right, on his on own. His own. Yep. Yeah, that's the that's the point I'm making. And we were so close to getting that possibly, but it just never happened. Uh, so I'm happy to see, especially this is a different take. It's not Batman's on his own and he's really fucking sad and he's right. like, oh, my girlfriends suck and like. He's like, I got no, a kid. Most have been like, I don't have a fucking girlfriend. I'm a lot yeah, of shit. That, it's just like, yeah, he's like, Alfred, you don't understand. I got to do this by myself. You're a yeah, real one, God. but it's all me. Uh, and now he's like, I got a kid. And that's like really cool. And we don't have to build up to it. We're just going to start with this new angle, which I think is very fresh. Which is something that they're doing in general. They're kind of just going to be dropping us in. Yes. And that these superheroes have existed in this world. So I... I think in such a media literate audience, like the one that we have now, shout out to your tweet. Um, <laughs> that is the right move, right? Because yeah. I don't need to see Martha Wayne's string of pearls mm-hmm. or Krypton explode for the rest of my life exactly. ever again. No. Nope. Okay. Maybe my kids might, sure. but I've seen enough. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a smart move because we can just get into it. We don't have to fucking tell the same story over and over again. We can just be like, oh, we haven't seen fucking Superman fight Brainiac and we don't need to build Superman up. You're just like, this guy's fucking overpowered as shit. And now Brainiac's here and they're going to fight. And I'm like, all in on that. All right. So why do you trust James Gunn to pull this off or why not? And do you think the announcements lived up to the hype? I think... The announcements themselves are like, it's interesting. I, I don't know. <laughs> like some of these are so off the wall. I, I'm very excited by, for Swamp Thing because I know they're going to do like an R-rated horror movie, which I think is cool as fuck. You really think it'll be R? He said that they will have R-rated projects. And I assume that one lends that itself. One yeah. yeah. Um, so that's cool. I like to see the variety. I was hoping to see a little more like mainstreamy type heroes that we haven't seen quite yet like like uh who was it oh my god completely left my brain whatever besides the point but uh i want to see manhunter i think maybe like martian manhunter or something like that but like we'll get there i'm sure the point is here uh there is a a lack of understanding of how these connect right now you know like i see superman yeah yeah I see Superman, Batman, and Supergirl. Makes sense. Swamp Thing, the authority. What? <laughs> like, that's so crazy to me. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I trust that they have that figured out, but it's like um, James Gunn said today as well, he was like, this is better than Marvel at the start because mm-hmm. we have it planned out. Like, we know. And it's not just here's some projects and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so I trust that they, they understand that. And so- the other... Oh, no, I, I just want to say quick, when they say connected, right, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be like so much so like you have to see B to understand C sure. and to understand D. What they said is about lanterns, that they're going to uncover some kind of mysterious secret that connects to the larger DCU. Yeah. So what I think the general connection is, in the same way that Thanos was, mm-hmm. is a central villain. Or maybe not so much a figure, but a MacGuffin Infinity Stone. And I think that they'll do their best to try to carve their own path and not have it be such a, oh, if the villain gets their hands on this thing, Mm -hmm. you know, 
But, you know, considering the names here, Paradise Lost, Swamp Thing, Booster Gold, who's like a time traveler. It could be some sort of like deep-rooted Earth. I like, yeah. Something that's that's either been around for a very long time and is coming back or something that's been, you know, pulling the strings and ready to unleash. That it because because I think that they said that chapter one is gods and monsters. Where do all of those things intersect? Earth, yeah, because and I think that that'll be and I, I know that that sounds kind of like simple minded, but I think that that is sort of where the key is. It'll be something, yeah, ancient. It's kind of what they were doing with the Snyder stuff, right? With the mother boxes all kind of being buried. But I on think Earth it'll be stuff. less sci fi, I, I think that. so too, yeah. Um, because those are the most complicated plot devices yeah. I've ever heard of in I my don't really entire understand life. Them so still. they really got to come <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the interesting thing about that is there is no Justice League on the slate, right? Like, there's no event movie at the end of this that they've announced so far. That could be what this other unannounced project is, we don't know, but um it is interesting to see them kind of taking it a little slower and not building up to the justice league or whoever. Um, and then the other reason I, I trust kind of gun here is the business side of Warner brothers has changed a lot in the last year, right? We know this because of Zaslav coming in and just taking a wrecking ball to everything. And in hindsight, I think it's easy to be like, he made some really hard decisions and it seems like they're getting things on track in a way that, has not been the case for Warner Brothers in, in quite some time. And that tangent's right into why I kind of trust them as well. Their comments about Batgirl are kind of ice cold. Yeah. They didn't have to say that. They, they're just like, look, it wasn't good. Like, Yeah. So, and I, you know, whether or not you respect the vision, there's a vision, you know? And, yes. that is, and they're just not like, hey, let's shit out Batgirl for the sake yeah. of it. And I appreciate that from where we've come from. So I think... In addition to what you and I both said, the reason that I think that I have faith in Gunn is if you consider Marvel to be not only the defining superhero franchise of the last 20 years of all time, but the defining genre of the last 20 years, right? I think he is responsible for the best of those films Mm -hmm. from truly at their core, not in terms of box office or special effects, but all the pieces fitting together to make an emotional narrative that thrills you mentally, physically, or not quite physically. I get mentally, hard. So <laughs> <laughs> mentally, spiritually, psychology, psychologically, all those things. Guardians one, I, you know, I put in the same conversation as star Wars. So I think if there's a man who is equipped to, you know, if he could do that with a despicable raccoon and a grunting tree, right? He proved he could, could do it there. And then he jumped over to DC and basically proved that he could do the same thing with like a sociopathic jock. Imagine what he could do with the likes of Superman, of the story of being alone in the universe on a planet that rejects you or sometimes need, like they love you when they need you, but when they mm-hmm. don't, they reject you and sort of Gunn's ability to put himself in the perspective of the outsider, but now being able to channel that to the insiders, I, you know, I think is is really promising because comic book characters are ultimately, even though they're idolized, they're outsiders, they're loners, they are alone in this world, and I think mm-hmm. that he understands that. Yeah, I think that he has a good head on his shoulders with knowing. One of the interesting things I read today too was he was like. Here's why the Snyder stuff didn't work. It wasn't Snyder. It was that 
there was no like hierarchy of power here. You know, we've been saying that as a joke for a while, but like there was nothing in place to stop anyone from just coming in, and steering the ship into a completely new direction. It was like you had Jeff Johns, Walter Hamada and all these other people that were just like, I don't know. Hey, Steven Spielberg, want to make this movie that's never going to come out? And then like it just nothing make any fucking sense. And everyone had their say in a way that should not have been the case. And he's like, I'm in charge. If you want to make a movie, you got to come to me. We'll make sure it fits in, not we'll figure it out later. Right, and that's exactly. the way it needs to be. Yeah. All right, Cade, which two projects <laughs> do you think that you're most hyped for? I mean, I'm going to be very basic here, oh, I mean, but it's kind of hard not to be right. Batman and Superman. But I'd also say Swamp Thing. I've yeah. said that already. Okay, so I'm going to kind of veer off. I'm going to go Superman as well, because I think mm-hmm. that that's the key to the whole thing. You know, since 1987, Superman 4, which starred Christopher Reeve, he's had two solo films. Superman, 36 it's fucking years. Insane. It's nuts. So, <laughs> of course, that that's at the top of the list, right? Because yeah. Man of Steel, the last time that they made a original Superman film, Brave and the Bold, of course, I'm hyped for that, but there's tons of Batman shit in the world, so I'm going to lean away from that. I'm going to go Lanterns. Yeah. Green Lantern hasn't been done in a decade, which was a famously disastrous film. He is one of DC's probably top five characters. I think it's interesting that it's going to be a show. Yeah. I really hope Jeff John or not Jeff Johns, um, the other guy. Oh, Greg Berlanti. Is, mm. this, is he still involved in this? Because that guy is prolific, but 50%, if not more, of his stuff is trash. So I really hope that he's not involved. But that said, if done well, and considering the fact that they're kind of saying they're going to be space cop detectives investigating like an ancient secret on Earth, sold. And they're like, yeah, we're not like, (laughs) here is the epitome of the difference between the DCEU and the DCU. When the DCEU was planning their green lantern show they picked two obscure lanterns mm-hmm. to like lead the show you know what i mean like oh let's be here they're like not only are you gonna get hal and john stewart but you're getting them together yeah that's sweet of course yeah, just like stop fucking dicking around <laughs> what they want it's just yeah. insane you don't have to go obscure to make yourself seem fucking cool just yeah, be like you don't have to go obscure to be what Give me what I want because you've yeah. been fucking like rejecting that for me for so goddamn long. And I, I don't understand why. You don't have to be obscure to be unique. Um, let Cade, let's do some fan casting and then we'll God. move on to Cade's gaming corner. Uh, first up, Batman and Superman in the MCU. I'll start. It's finally time. I think that he, if they cast them now and start shooting in a few years, they could squeeze them in. Jake Gyllenhaal. I've been calling for him to be Batman since before they cast Ben Affleck. I think he's at the perfect age to have a sort of what, like 13 or 14 year old son. Right. Yeah. Uh, Please somebody, I beg of you. Yeah, no, it's, it's perfect. Uh, I literally same boat for Batman uh, because like you said, I don't, I don't really know. That's someone that he's been like, as far as I know, talked to about Batman in the past, like people have approached him or like they've had meetings or whatever. And that was something that could have happened at some point, but never really did. Uh, Now is the time. I mean, he's prime age 40 
and he's, he's been saying yes to tons of like blockbuster shit. Yeah. So he's if somebody shows up like, hey, do you want to be Batman for 10 years? He'll be like, I'm fucking down. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, he seems to have, I like when he does his little, not artsy, I, I wouldn't say that, but more prestige stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's really good in, in blockbustery stuff like Spider-Man and Ambulance and whatnot. He's yep. he can do it all. So I would love to see him as Batman. He's got the right look and the right uh, primal rage inside of him. Cade, mm. who do you have for Superman? I don't know. I really don't know. I feel I feel bad not being able to come up with something. But like I don't. I, this seems like someone who probably be in their twenties, probably maybe very, very, very early thirties by the time they get going on this. But uh, the one and only name that jumped out to me and people have suggested him in the past is that guy that's on euphoria. What's his name? Jacob, oh, Jacob Alordi. Yeah. I think he the popular one. He seems he's six, five. He's a fucking giant. Uh, yeah, right. That is, yeah, that is Superman height. Uh, so I, I think he, he's got a good look. He seems like he's uh, the, the problem is with Superman is he's a very big character, right? But like physically, but he's also very emotionally in tune. You can't just get someone who's a hunk and like looks like they could beat the shit out of you. You want someone with like real range and depth. I also don't necessarily think he has to be like a behemoth six foot two like, <laughs> sure. person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think the fact that he's just super strong is enough. You know what sure. I mean? Just make his body look strong and then. Yeah. So, all right. For me, this one I feel like is basic because it is hard to cast this character. Right? It is. And I feel like picturing it in my mind's eye, it doesn't look quite right, but I feel like it would work on film. And my answer is Miles Teller because, you know, Whiplash, he's shown he has serious dramatic chops. And in Top Gun, he's shown that he could be sort of like the leading alpha male, Definitely. heart of gold type dude. He's 35. I think that's a good age for your sort of, you know, Superman franchise leading character. He's a movie star. He's a he's a good old fashioned American. You know what I mean? It's like he just looks and it's like Miles Teller. You couldn't come up with a more American name than that. And then my backup would be somebody who's been linked to the role of Nightwing for a while is actually Dylan O'Brien. Every time I see him pop up in something, I enjoy him. I think he's got the looks. I've seen him show off the physicality that you might need for that type of role. So if he were to gain like 20 pounds, I, I think he'd be solid as well. The other one that I just saw suggested online was Logan Lerman. He played Percy Jackson. Similar kind of dude. Yeah. Yeah. He, and I'm looking at the very first picture that pops up for him on Google and he's got these like very beautiful, I think they're blue eyes and he's got this perfect hair. And I'm like, this guy's got the look. Like, did uh, you see Bullet Train? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that? he's the guy with the tattoos on his face that they find dead. Oh, oh yeah, I think he is. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. All right, Cade. And then the, the last fan casting I want to do is the Green Lanterns. Give me your Hal Jordan. Oh my god. Um, who is the guy that they were like looking at for the the show? Because I I looked it up. The Greg Berlanti thing is dead. Apparently that was a space opera, and they're like, no, nah, we're not fucking with that. All right. So for me, Hal Jordan is Harris Dickinson. He is the lead in Triangle of Sadness. He was mm. also in The King's Man. I think he's also going to be in that A twenty four wrestling film with um Zach Efron and the dude from uh the Bear. Um, oh. What the hell is his name? I don't even know what this is. I've never heard of his name. Is. Yeah, he is the Iron Claw. 
So I, th- oh, he's in where the crawdads sing as well. I think that this guy has got the sort of like alpha male pilot sort of blonde hair look that you need mm-hmm. for this. I think he's shown that he's got the chops for it. I mean, his last three films are See How They Want, Run, Triangle of Sadness, and Where the Crawdads Sing. That's a pretty good run. And then next he's got that 824 film. And then my backup sort of more trendy pick would be Glenn Powell, also of Top Gun Maverick fame. That's a good pick. As for John Stewart, I'm going with Academy Award winner Daniel Kaluuya. I think he's fucking perfect for this role. I feel like that this is a layup. The unfortunate problem is that this is a TV show, right? So, like, yeah. how do you convince an Oscar winner to come do a show? I, I feel like, you That's know, they've got to promise him appearances in films as well. But, you know, otherwise, that would be my guy. Uh, and then my B choice would be, you know, I'm waiting on him for a comeback. He's charismatic as hell. He's one of the saving graces of the newest Star Wars films, John Boyega. I like that. Uh, for uh, John Stewart, the guy did you ever see moonlight mm. the lead of moonlight trevante rhodes he uh obviously if you've seen moonlight you know very good actor in general yeah got the look yeah. um i would oh. say that where's he been it looks like i'm looking at his filmography he kind of had some bombs he did 12 strong that like chris hemsworth uh-huh. military uh-huh. movie yep. the predator reboot which sucked right. ass um bird box and then he played mike tyson in a like mini series that came out on hulu last year gotcha okay um, all right that's not a bad run it so he's like, like he just needs the right role to yeah. come up and grab him and um oh my god what's denzel's son's name john david washington, john david washington. Uh, oh yeah obvious. he looks just like john stewart yeah obvious so those two i think are, are great john stewart picks all right finally to cap it off a little bit of an been a while, Kate's Game and Corner. <laughs> yeah. Look, so going into this, James Gunn had said that gaming is going to be interconnected to the DCU as well. In his video and in the trays, I didn't see much. So when you texted me today, when you said, did you hear about the gaming? I said, no. So tell me on the show live. So I hear it live for the first time. I was thinking about it so much that I did tweet today. Now announce an open world Superman game, you cowards. Like, yeah. 2023. What's the space one that's coming out from Rockstar or the Red Dead team? Oh, no. Sorry. The Bethesda team. Starfield. Starfield. Like, if we're we're capable of doing that, we're capable of a Superman game. (laughs) Let's get it going here. Yeah. uh, So, basically, James Gunn said, like, gaming is going to be a big part of this, but it's not going to be, like, in the early 2000s, if you were a Spider-Man movie, you got a Spider-Man game. And it was the story of the movie expanded upon, right? And they were okay at best. Uh, some of them were Spider-Man 2 is obviously one of the best Spider-Man games. But if you look back at it, you're like, what the hell was that? Um, but that is not the plan. Instead, the games will tie together as like expansions of the story. So the way he described it was, we're going to have a Superman movie and a Supergirl movie. And those are going to be two years apart. What happens in between? A crypto game is what he said. Uh, that's Superman's dog. And he's like, I don't think he means they're going to make a crypto game, but he's like, here is, you know, a example of what we could do. But he was like, we're not doing tie in. It's going to be stuff that fills in the blanks. And I think that's a really good way of utilizing it. And I hope that means, you know, like if you're going to do the Superman origin, right, do it in a game. If you want to do it, do it in a game. And that way you can show I love Krypton. that fucking point. I love that point. You can do all the stuff that people don't want to see in a movie and just be like, well, here it is, playable. And you get to be Jor-El on 
fucking Krypton as it's blowing up or whatever and, and oh, doing crazy man. shit. Now you're like, talking my language, dude. There's a lot of ways to do it. So you can, in, you know, for the longest time, we've had books or comic books that kind of serve as prequels or epilogues to movies. Just do it as a game. You know, it'll take longer, but I think it'll pay off. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea that they're going so, for. But no, like, hardcore news. No, and I imagine it's because games take so long to make and they are a lot easier to just like disappear and go like go away people always complain about the secrecy of gaming and i'm like because projects take like six years to come out so like by the time they start it's going to be like the year before supergirl comes out when we see probably the first game that's really connected to all of this yeah okay all right let's take a quick break and when we come back the last of us episode three breakdown your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, and we're back. The Last of Us, episode three, long, long time. In the present, Joel and Ellie heed Tess's final instructions and hike to meet allies Bill and Frank. On their journey, Joel teaches Ellie about the government's execution of innocence during the early days of the outbreak. So while we don't get a cold open, the episode itself is kind of a flashback. So I think that that doesn't mean that this is the death of the Last of Us cold open opens i just think that because this one largely existed in the past they maybe probably just skipped it this week uh so in a flashback to 2007 frank stumbles upon the compound of paranoid survivalist bill who takes him in and the two form a romantic relationship sharing a love of music and food several years later frank contacts tess over the radio and the couples enter a tenuous friendship. In the present, Frank is crippled by a degenerative illness and asks Bill to euthanize him after they marry. But Bill, not wanting to live without Frank, kills himself as well. Joel and Ellie arrive sometime later, and they discover a letter that Bill left for Joel, where he tells him that protecting Frank is what gave his life meaning after the outbreak. Bill leaves Joel his truck and supplies and weapons. Joel takes the truck and sets out with Ellie to find Tommy. Okay, so going into this, you saw this a month ago. <laughs> you Did you have this take when you first saw it? Like, So the general take out there going into it is that this is one of the best episodes of TV, if not just recently of all time. The the reviews were that raving. And I'm not saying I don't think it's phenomenal, but I mm. am going to push back on sort of the greatest episode of TV of all time. So I, as I've said on this podcast a few times, I'm watching live. I'm not going mm. ahead. Uh, I, I watched this one on Saturday, but that's still the same weekend, sure. right? You watched this a fucking while ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what did you feel before the collective consciousness was able to sort of sweep you away? I've seen the episode three times now. I watched it twice. First time I watched it and was making notes. Second one, I was writing my recap. And the third one, I just watched it to watch it. And the third time is when I think it hit me the hardest, which I found really surprising since I knew everything was going to happen. Do I think it's the best episode of TV ever, which I have seen that take. That's not hyperbole in terms of where that's coming from. No, like it's it's very, very good. And I would say in recent memory, absolutely. but like when I think of best TV episodes ever, I think of like Ozymandias from Breaking Bad, right? Like that's that's crazy TV right there. Um, 
So no, but I, I do remember thinking when I watched it, I'm like, this is going to have a big reaction online. Did I think it was going to be this big? No, mm-hmm. but I really do think I was like, people are going to love the performances. I was like, this is immediately going to cause pushback from people who are shitty gamers and are like, gay people, what? In my TV? Um, and especially because Bill and Frank's relationship in the game is a lot more um, implied and uh, not explicit. And so I, I, I was like, this is going to cause discourse. And uh, in the game, Bill's alive and he's not in the show. So, uh, you know, in the last was part three, the game, he could show up theoretically, but yeah, so there's a lot of differences, but I was like, this is going to be a very, uh, well-received piece of television when it comes out. Yeah. Look, I loved it. I just, I don't think it was as for something to be as great as it's being hailed as it needs to be unique. Right. And I think that I've seen this story tons in my life in TV in the last few years alone, I've seen similar stories and the leftovers and station 11 and Watchmen to varying degrees of success. Some just as good, some worse, Mm -hmm. some better. This absolutely is among the pantheon of like time capsule slice of life. Mm-hmm. romanticizing the day in and day out in a broken world of TV episodes out there. But the point is that it's done before. It has been done before to such an extent that the music cue that likely <laughs> made you start to cry. It made me mm-hmm. start to cry because it works every fucking time. Is a Max Richter song called On the Nature of Daylight, which came out, I believe, in 2004. It was just, it was not part of a soundtrack at the time. It was just his own piece of writing. It has since been used in the likes of uh, Stranger Than Fiction and Arrival. And there's one more than It's the like song that plays when he's taking them to for, get for their like clothes walk. and stuff, right? When they like go for a walk. Yeah. 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 And you see like a, a American, American flag, flag yeah. gently blowing in the breeze and just a very like, almost um somber uh melancholic sure. uh sort of montage oh and also shutter island so this song mm. has been heard in the likes of stranger than fiction and arrival and shutter island so for all of the you know praise of it being sort of this transcendent revolutionary tv i think that that's sort of undercut by the fact that its soundtrack is literally in and of itself unoriginal sure now with all that said is this one of the most moving pieces of tv i've ever seen absolutely Mm -hmm. is nick offerman is that like a career changing hour from him absolutely is murray bartlett now one of the favorite tv actors out there definitely is this a wonderful expansion of the game's lore of course so i think my point is that i'm not so much pushing about back on the episode itself i'm pushing back of the culture of the rotten tomatoes culture right Sure. The journalists tell you, hey, it's the greatest TV episode of all time. And then guess what? All the fans are saying the same thing. And I know that that maybe sounds a bit, I mean, it's holier than now the word or like <laughs> I get it and you don't. Yeah. No, but I just, I want people to sort of have the ability to make their own opinions about things and not just get swept away because it's oh wow ron swanson's gay Whoa, you know what i mean like like legitimately you know take it in for all that it is which all that it is is a nine out of ten it's fucking phenomenal yeah but it's not original yeah i mean like i don't i don't need to be original for it to be best tv ever it's just like uh i don't know there there's something about it that's like 
it, it is harder to I, I get what you're saying though because like if it's not unique how can it really transform your emotions right like it's like i've felt this way before it does not hit me in the most powerful sense. Arrival literally ends on a montage of their life in sort of a rustic Americana home mm-hmm. to this song. Yeah. So it, it hits a lot of the same notes. So I get that. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, like, like you've been saying and I've been saying, this episode is fantastic. And if I had to place my bet, maybe, I mean, I, I've only seen the first four episodes. I would say this will probably be the best, maybe the second best, depending on how well they handle the ending mm. of, the, of the show. Mm. It's interesting to know what's coming, right? Because, yeah, and we aren't going to touch on it here, but just by virtue of knowing the plot, the finale is going to be fucking bonkers. So like yeah. you could pencil that one in as one of the best ones that we'll see. I have no yeah. doubt about that. So it's going to be the finale and then like, and then this one. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see because that finale, like, again, I'm not going to say what happens, but like, there's a lot that could go wrong there. Like, it's it's very easy to mess that up, I think. And but they've shown so far they're very capable and they have the creator of the game there to guide them. Yeah. So yeah. I trust them. Uh, but yeah, that is a a delicate balancing act, I think. And I will just say this week's was so good that I know that something is great when I want to consume more of it, right? So as Mm. you, I've watched it three times. Mm. Usually I only watch these twice. Um, And it's so good. I want to go and rewatch Parks and Rec to get my, just to just get Nick in my life more. But I also want to go back and rewatch The Leftovers, which I think is Mm. the closest comp that this show deserves, which is an unbelievable compliment, not only in general, but from me, as I consider that my favorite show of all time. Sure. So that is where the, this is going. So as I've said, if you thought that this week's was a transformative week of TV, I implore you to go watch that show, to go watch Station Eleven, and to go watch Watchmen. Conveniently, all of which are HBO shows. Cade, our yes. gaming master, tell us <laughs> about what do you want to speak on on sort of the major departures from the fact that this was the biggest departure from the game so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, none of this is in the game. None of this. Uh, not even the stuff well, that you see at the beginning, just, really. For all the people who are trying to push back on, oh, they shoehorned in this gay plot. Yeah. It is implied yeah, yeah, yeah. that Bill is gay yes, in absolutely. the games. Yeah. yeah. So all of that is is felt or known or uh, understood when you're playing the game, when you play the game. So the way it happens in the game is uh, after Tess dies, they go to Bill and Frank's and you don't see anything in between. They just kind of show up. And um, the whole town is booby trapped, kind of as you see it in the show. And Ellie and Joel have to make their way through the town to find Bill. And it's kind of been like not overrun, but like worn down by the infected. So they're in the town kind of roaming around. And uh, eventually Bill shows up and and he's like, what are you doing here, Joel? And uh, he's like, I need a truck. And they make their way through the town and you learn more about this guy who has been surviving in this in this town and just like there's a infected sitting in a windowsill and he's like, Oh, frock, take care of that. And just cuts his head off. And it's like, so nonchalant. Casual. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the whole time Joel does not reveal to bill that Tess is dead. And so he just goes on thinking, you know, you, why would Tess do this to you? Why are you here? And uh, there's a big battle in the high school with this thing called the bloater. And not, again, none of this is in the show, but because so much of that is gameplay driven, there's very little actual story or like character development happening during this time. It's more just a means to get Joel this truck to move on. Um, 
they had to make something up for the, the show because right. you can't have them just walking around for an hour killing things. So instead, they were like, let's just flesh out Bill and, and Frank's love story. And it's very beautiful. And I think it's the smart move um, because in the end, there's a letter that Bill leaves for Joel in the show that basically tells Joel what he needs to hear. Like, hey, I hated humanity. And then I found someone to love and to protect that made me whole. And that is the arc that Joel will go on and um, sets up some of the choices that he will have to make later on. Um, so I think it's it's a really smart and eloquent way of changing something that is still going to have the same end result of getting Joel to where he needs to be. Well, that was one of my favorite parts about it, the way that they weaved it into the past, present, and future of yeah. the main storyline, right? So while I have my problems with the sort of guest star of the week format, I understand that that's sort of the nature of TV. You've got to fill the spaces somehow. Mm -hmm. So I like how they... Ron Swanson doesn't show up until 15 mm -hmm. minutes or so in. So there is very much an Ellie and Joel prologue. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And not Ron Swanson. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said that on purpose. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's just over here talking to you about like what? Well, but that is why the casting is so great, right? It is. Because he is, you know, one of the most typecast dudes. And he wasn't even supposed to play this role. This was a last minute addition. Some There was a scheduling conflict with the other guy. Oh, wow. Fantastic. The point is that when hmm. you watch him, he, I think he knows that what you're seeing is Nick Offerman and Ron Swanson sort of like leverage that in this role was genius. Absolutely. Getting back on track here. There's very much a Joel and Ellie prologue. And the reason that it even that what, what is the Kickstarter of the, of the Bill and Frank story is him explaining they were shooting innocent people in the streets mm -hmm. and they showed them the bones. And then they showed the neighborhood where innocent people were being round up. So that's the prologue. Then Joel and Tess, show up in the present day narrative of this sort of vignette. And then <laughs> again, Joel and Ellie show up at the end. So the way that they were able to weave it into the story itself, I thought was brilliant. Yeah. And I also just loved that the, the small lore additions that we're getting with like Joel being like, Hey, you're a kid. You don't, you weren't even alive when this happened. Planes fell out of the fucking sky, which I, I wrote a tweet about. I'm like, that's Save terrifying. Those thoughts. Okay, okay, okay. Save those thoughts. So as you touched on, I think that the reason that I bring in the way that this is weaved into the story is because they use the story of Bill and Frank to make a thematic point about Joel, right? And we also saw this thematic sort of push from Tess last week where literally these characters are dying by the wayside and each death is sort of pushing him further towards the light. And I think that that is perfectly sort of eloquated in the letter to him where goes against the screenwriting theology of show don't tell right. like bill literally being like hey you're out here to protect <laughs> protect yeah. those women you know so i do think that that's a bit heavy-handed but the show is operating at such a high level that it, i think it still worked even though like in a lesser show people would have been like yeah, we get it. Yes. Like, we know he's here to fucking yeah. protect people. What, what, what else are we doing here? But I think that, you know, this is the show has been subtle enough in other places that the thematic pushes like now, I think, is when the, when the show is really about to start, right? Mm -hmm. Joel has sort of been emotionally repositioned 
as somebody willing to accept love in his life and to use that love to protect. And now he's alone with a little girl. So now not only is he in the mindset of reopening his heart, but he's in the situation that closed it in the first place. Yes, exactly. Um, like I was saying uh, the other day of people maybe not being the most media literate is this is a show everyone for the longest time in the games industry has been the last was very good. And then it transitioned to last was just really fucking stupid because it's the copy of the road. And like, it's, it's, it's more simple than it is complex. Everything's and a copy of everything. I, I just like, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Just enjoy the goddamn game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it was really annoying. Cause I'm like, now you have people saying, like, I don't understand what the point of this episode was. I don't know who these characters are. I don't know why we need to care about them. I'm like, the whole point is in the fucking letter at the end. So there, as I, I understand like your point. Beating over the fucking yeah. head with it. I, yeah, well. I absolutely agree. I was like, when I saw him, like, all right, we could probably go without this. And then I see Twitter. I'm like, all right, yeah, I remember people fucking make these shows for the dumbasses who can't comprehend <laughs> these things. So <laughs> understood. All right. Uh, one more thing that I want to touch on and something that we've spoken about a bit. And now when I said this on previous podcasts, you knew it was coming. And I now thinking back on your smirks <laughs> and chuckles, you probably were thinking like, oh, boy, he's going to be pissed. And that's sort of the guest star of the week format. Yeah. You know, they did it with Anna Torv. They've done it with Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett. I imagine they're going to do it with Melanie Linsky as well. And maybe even... Gabrielle Luna, who's playing Tommy, depending on what point in the timeline they bring him back mm. in. It's a serialized show, mm. but it's also based on a finite video game. So while procedural elements of introducing characters week by week played by somewhat notable actors only to have them have their storyline wrapped up by the end of that week is not what I'm usually into. I understand the need to do it. This Bill and Frank story, which was not invented in the game, is going to be the one that they submit to the Emmys. But more mm -hmm. importantly, it took up a week of time. Mm -hmm. If they were to only do the events of the game, the show would be done in six weeks. You know, yeah. so they have to fill in the margins with stuff. And if they're going to be filling in the margins, I would like it to be a beloved sitcom actor like Nick Offerman putting in a career defining turn. Right. Yeah. I and as far as I understand, I know someone who has seen the whole show, and they said like the back half of the series is like just the very game. serialized. Like it, it is, yeah. it is just the game, so you won't see these more like uh, vignette type things. But uh, even like the Last of Us game, if you really think about it, is a lot of not guess of the week, but like I said it in a tweet yesterday too. Of these are like the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future for Joel is like all of these people teach him something. So you have Bill, Tess, Frank, um, Sam, Henry, and then there's an antagonist named David that shows up a little later uh, in the game. And all of these people contribute something to Joel and uh, maybe things to learn, maybe things to avoid. And so that's kind of the story of The Last of Us. And it's it's inescapable. Uh, but I do understand your point of like in the game, like you have several hours with some of these characters and in the show, you're not going to get that. You're going to get 45 minutes with them or whatever, because that's just the pace the show goes at. Um, so it is it is frustrating to have someone so great 
And then they wrap that up pretty much as soon as you start to get attached to them. That was my exact tweet. I'm like, dude, they're killing these fucking characters off. I'm like, that's my guy. That reminds me of um, you didn't watch it, but in House of the Dragon, like in the very early stages, you weren't really sure like who to root for and who's sure. in character and who's going to stick around. So I like planted my flag in this one guy. I'm like, Harwin Strong, that's my dude. That's my fucking boy. Literally the next week he gets murdered in like a, a gloriously brutal fashion, like burnt alive with, with his father in the next room. So <laughs> that's Thrones, baby. Yep. All right. So before we wrap up this week, I want to genuinely, and this is not even for the purpose of like fighting back against trolls. This is because I believe it. This is the Bella Ramsey appreciation segment, which I think we might need to have every week. I think that this is an Emmy nominated performance waiting to happen. I think she's locked in her ability to and this is acting 101 right to act like she's hearing about something for the first time Mm -hmm. which seems very difficult to me and that's why i said to save your thoughts her ability to marvel at planes like her saying dude you got to go up in the sky which reads like a very corny sort of cliched line but like when you think about it like we think about that all the time i'm like how the fuck am i in the sky right now (laughs) her ability to like like deliver that line in a non-corny but in a genuine here's how i feel i can't believe that way and then just sort of her face when she walks into bill's house she's never seen a house that looks like a house like that like that is what houses are that is when a house looks like a home she's never seen that before Mm -hmm. and so for her to be like whoa and then the best of them all is when joel tells her to put on her seatbelt. And She's like, oh, I don't know what she is. looks at him as if he just spoke an alien language, <laughs> like legitimately not of this earth. And she does it all in her face. The mm-hmm. face acting of her being like, I don't know what I've never heard the word seatbelt in my entire life is just incredible. She is incredible so far. And it's it's interesting, too, because it's, it's kind of like the what would the cavemen react to if you showed them a smartphone? She's like mm-hmm. the modern version yep. of that. And yep. Uh, that's, that's again, one of my favorite parts of the game is just like Ellie walking to a record store and just seeing all this music. And she's like, why is this all here? Like what happened? Like, you mean there's all this music that no one is listening to. Right. Yeah. And she's like heartbroken by it. And it's like such a beautiful thing to see someone appreciate what we take for granted and, and being able to really illustrate that. And, um, yeah, the thing I was gonna say about the planes was just like, that is a terrifying thought of being trapped in a plane and people just start fucking like spazzing out in their seats and then just like mauling each other and like stacking on top of each other. I think there's something like that in World War Z, if I remember correctly. Um, Dude, but did you watch Station Eleven or not? I haven't, but you keep mentioning it. So I'm there's a part of one where a plane lands and they literally have to like have a phone call to convince that could to convince the captain like you can't let these people off this plane. Is it zombies? Is that what that show is? No, they're they're si- no, but it's a pandemic. Like okay. they're just sick. Fascinating. Okay, yeah, like that's it's cool. like a flu. You just die. So it's like a pilot, and they land, and they're home, and they're carrying it, but they have to like call in and convince them like you can't let these people off the plane. That's horrible. Uh, so yeah, that's like just an amazing way to emphasize how quickly everything went to shit. Just like planes are falling out of the sky because people started eating each other on the planes. Yep um so yeah i love little stuff like that and you're right though bella ramsey is great and i'd be interested to see the transition from this ellie to the last of us part two ellie because mm. bella is doing a great job playing a cute kid with that innocence in her and the last of us part two is like 
what happens when your innocence gets totally corrupted. Well, I think that that's, I think part of the casting must have been like, we need an X year old to X year old girl. So she is on the show during her growth spurt. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't know how else you do that because it's a multi year jump in the games, right? Yeah. It's or, about five years. So, and she goes from what being like 13 to 18. Like, that's a yeah. huge, t- yeah. That's a huge yeah. difference. So I'll be interested to see how they, they handle that because she's 19 right now, Bella Ramsey. So oh. she, yeah, she, I mean, she's probably, wow. if if she's not fully grown, she's about to be. So you doing a great, well, yeah. this, I think this was filmed like. It was like 2021. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and maybe a little bit of 2022. So she probably would have been like she 17 not or 18. Like not 19 in the show. No. She looks the age that she's playing. Yeah. And so I'll be interested to see how they handle that when she's a little darker, a little more. And Ellie in the uh, TV sh- or the second game is like incredibly lanky. And like, she just has this totally different. I mean, cause she's a, a much more edgy teenager in that game. And there's right. a whole lot, a lot of stuff with that. I'll be very curious to see how they pull that off. All right. So that's going to do it for us this week. Make sure to follow Cade at Cade underscore Onder and all the great work he's doing at comicbook.com. Make sure to follow me at Eric Italiano all the work I'm doing at Bro Bible and the podcast at Postcred Pod. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Next week, we'll be talking about The Last of Us Episode 4, which is the last one that most journalists have seen. Kate and I include, well, not me, but they sent me four. I've not watched them. Kate got four. He has. Some people got the full ones. Good for them. Um, <laughs> I'm also seeing Ant-Man next Monday, so oh, wow. I, think, I think the embargo will probably... Uh, the social embargo will probably release by the time we record. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, all right, y'all. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.